It's Fox Top 5, the podcast where the hosts always agree to disagree. This week on Fox Top 5, Fox News Chief Meteorologist Janice Dean. You're braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, smarter than you think. And Fox News correspondent and guest host on Fox and Friends, Griff Jenkins. Jenkins. The story is so touching and endearing and He's just got so many dimensions. Come together to share their top five favorite books. Here are this week's hosts, Janice and Griff. Welcome to Fox Top 5. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. And today I'm joined by my friend, Fox News correspondent, Griff Jenkins. (laughs) Hi, Griff. Janice, how are you? I can't, I'm so intimidated to join you. I mean, you're a world-renowned best-selling author you've written like 50 books uh so if you have to pick a top five you wrote more than five freddie the frogcaster books so this is like a trick question i'm being i'm being punked here oh i feel like it's funny because when they asked me to do my top five i thought am i allowed to put my own books in there (laughs) (laughs) of course you are (laughs) oh So every week on the podcast, Fox hosts, reporters and personalities get together to share their top five of any given topic. It's no secret over the last few months, people have been stuck inside and curling up with a good book is still one of the best ways to relax and pass the time. So if you are in need of recommendations, you are in luck. We are here to share our top five favorite books. We need like a drum roll, right? I feel like we need some music. Number five. Griff, what's your number five? Let me preface this. So everyone knows your wonderful, amazing bugs from Frogcaster to uh, Mostly Sunny, which is an incredible uh, mixture of life experience and optimism and uplifting, which is what we want from our bugs. But not a lot of people know, I was an English major at Ole Miss, University of Mississippi, and the famous author from Oxford, Mississippi was William Faulkner. And so I was very into books, very into literature, wanted to learn about it. Problem is, Faulkner was just awful and his run-on sentence went on forever and ever. (laughs) Fortunately, a guy named John Grisham became a writer in residence that year because they had a bestseller, A Time to Kill, and moved to Oxford. And so I got really, really into uh, John Grisham and Mississippi writers. And I was one of like five undergrads that got into this graduate writer seminar for uh, Grisham. He gave me like a C plus, he hated my writing, but I was like super honored. And so when you, when I was asked to join you, the uh, international best-selling author, I was like, <laughs> wow, this is intimidating. But at the same time, I'm really excited to talk about it because the five I'm going to suggest uh, are significant to me in many ways. But I wanted to break it down because as you pointed out, everyone's been curling up reading bugs during the pandemic. And I've been reading two, so I figured out of my five, I would save the last three for the top books I think everyone in the world should read and my favorites. But the, the five and four, I'm going to start with just what's on my bedside and what I'm reading. Oh, good. So tell me, what are you reading right now, then? All right. Number five, believe it or not, is Countdown 1945 by Chris Wallace. And honest honest to God, I am not plugging a Fox book 
But I was asked on Fox and Friends to interview Chris for his book a few weeks ago uh, when it came out on the weekend. And so I bought it and started reading it. And it's the story of 116 days, right? Harry S. Truman gets a surprise call. And they bring him in to the, to the Oval Office. Eleanor Roosevelt's there. They swear him in uh, on April 12th in 1945. And then all of a sudden, the Secretary of War pulls him aside and says, oh, hey, uh, by the way, real quick. So we're working on this big thing. It's called the atomic bomb. There's a race. Here's the Manhattan Project. And, you know, as I began to sort of skim through it to get ready for the interview, I realized this is the biggest decision any president has maybe ever made. And then when I talked to Chris about the book, he said, yeah, you know, the big takeaway, if you read the whole thing, too, it's how different the country was at that time. With so much on the line, we were so united. The unity, and it's such a contrast to today when the country's so divided. So I picked that up. I'm reading it. I suggest everyone go out and pick it up. Countdown 1945. It's uh, You just wonder what you might have done had you made, had you been the president and have to make this incredible decision. And not only does Harry Truman, this sort of meek, mild-mannered, uh, uh, not really aggressive guy from the Midwest, make the decision to drop it on Hiroshima, three days later, he drops another one that ultimately ends the war and uh, clearly changed the arc of history. Do you love history? Are you a history buff? I love history. And, you know, at, at 49, uh, I, I find myself way more interested in history. I wish I would have been more into history when I was younger. Uh, and now perhaps I've realized how much it matters. And, uh, you know, you can look at sort of the comparisons, as I was saying, the unified country back uh, 75 years ago. And, and this year, uh, August 6th, the dropping of, uh, of the atomic bomb uh, was 75 years ago. And so, so much to learn from. But I try, by the way, and I'll tease before I get to four, I try and read uh, as a reader, because I love books, I try and read something nonfiction, something, you know, maybe historical or current events, and then fiction. So wow. I'm always reading two at a time, uh, touch and go, and, and who has time anyway. But I digress. What is your number five? Because I'm going to go out and buy it after you tell me. Uh, you know, I did kind of the same thing you did. I picked a book that I've read recently because a lot of my selections are books that are favorites uh, of mine. And I find that people's stories and what they've been through in their lives in many ways is more resonating to me than something that's just written as an author, as a work of fiction. So I picked Tara Westover's Educated. Have you heard about this book? It was released I, in 2018. I have heard about that book. I believe my wife has actually read that book. So I'm uh, sure she, she has. She reads even more than me. I, I, I think I, I've seen that, that cover. I have not dared to pick it up though. The cover is quite fun because it's a it's in the shape of a pencil, but it's also a, a mountain in Idaho. Uh, it's basically her life growing up as survivalist Mormon family, um, and she goes to college after living a life of isolation on a mountain in Idaho. And this woman who has no education goes and gets her PhD at Cambridge. And it's an incredible story of resilience. Uh, some of the things that she talks about and growing up in this family that in many ways was 
you can't even imagine growing up in this type of isolation uh, and the things that she goes through, not only with her family members, uh, but just, you know, being alone by herself as a child. And I was so interested and taken by this book that I wanted to learn more and more about this amazing person. Um, and so I have watched a lot of her interviews and just to see how poised she is and how she talks about her upbringing. She is not really in touch with her family and, you know, just that in general, not being able to be in touch with the people that you grew up with and the, and the people that you knew as your mother and father is really quite incredible. And to be able to overcome those kinds of challenges really sort of um, struck me. And, you know, we were talking about Mostly Sunny, that book that I wrote um, last year. It's really tough to write about yourself and to be really open and honest about struggles. I always thought if I was going to write a book, I would have to write the good, the bad, and the ugly. And this book really does get really deep into her, you know, her background and the psychology and, and, the, and the work she had to do on herself to overcome so many challenges. So I highly recommend that. That was back in 2018. It was on the bestseller list for weeks, but it lived up to a type. So I highly recommend that. That's Educated by Tara Westover. I will indeed. I love it. Stories of resilience. And again, like yourself, people that, that put the good, the bad, and the ugly, that's, I think, what readers ultimately want to get, you know, some some real insight, which is why, and I've done the same thing that you did, which is like, as soon as you read about something, you're like, okay, what else can I learn about yep. this person, about the situation, about what's going on? So, yeah. uh, good stuff. Two keepers for sure. His okay, yes. And right. I'm sure that Chris Wallace is very excited that you just gave him a huge plug for his book, 1945. I didn't even tell him. I hit, I'm going to hit him up. Number four. All right, number four. Are you ready? I'm ready. I mentioned John Grisham, and I never stopped reading him. So oh, this wow. is Camino Wins by John Grisham. And, you know, you got to love the John Grisham uh, genre. This is, you might actually like it, even if you've never read Grisham before. And I don't know if you have. Yep. Uh, this one starts with a hurricane named Hurricane Leo that goes uh, a little off course and ends up uh, hitting Camino Island, which is, and I'm only, in full disclosure, about 60 pages into this book, so I can't even really talk about it. But this, okay. the, the setup is uh, this uh, a hurricane goes way off course and hits Camino Island, which in real life is supposed to be Amelia Island off Jacksonville, Florida and a notorious, legendary bookshop, bookstore owner has a, a big event coming and he didn't want to leave, so he hunkers down and stays and 12 people get killed after the storm passes. One of him is a thriller author, but his death suggests that he was murdered from his injuries and now we have to find out why he, anyone would have wanted to kill him in the middle of a hurricane and who would have done it. So that's his setup. It's purely gluttonous, indulgent, but John Grisham delivers every time. And uh, I'm gonna recommend, if you just wanna basically flick to the Turn Your Brain Off channel, and you know, yep. he's not a, a, a brainless writer, because obviously I think the world of him, uh, but 
I think that uh, it's a page turner. And sometimes when you want to read and not think and be entertained, boy, does he uh, nail it. And anyone who's spent time in Florida and in hurricanes, as you well know, uh, it's a fascinating uh, sort of backdrop. Now, is he getting the meteorology right in the book so far? Like, I, I love <laughs> reading books that have to deal with weather because I, I'm always fascinated on whether or not the author does his homework. Yeah, he's definitely bad and vague because he's like, uh, Leo stalled again, 300 miles south of Mobile. He faked to his left, began a slow turn to the east and weakened considerably. For two days, he chugged along Tampa. <laughs> so it's like, wow. No, no details there, but you know, I, I mean, intrigue you and rope you in, reel you in yeah. into a, a Grisham thrill. And hopefully, is there, get in. So, is there a meteorologist in it? So far, only in reporting saying, you know, that there's this meteorologist that, that he's listening to quoting. That's oh. so there's not, not a character, but one may come in yet. Who knows? Okay. <laughs> uh, you've got me hooked. I want to know the ending. I want you to tell right. me how it goes. Okay, Griff. Uh, my number four is Pat Conroy, Prince of Tides. And the reason I picked this one is because my father recommended it when it came out in 1986. I was in, I was 16, 17. And my dad loved all of the Pat Conroy books. He loved uh, The Lords of Discipline, The Great Santini. And my parents actually really instilled the love of reading. Uh, they both loved books. They loved reading all sorts of books. But I think because my dad specifically thought that I would love this book, um, and it was his his recommendation. I think that's why it's so important to me. And of course, because it's a beautiful book and uh, it talks about growing up in South Carolina and Tom Wingo as a teacher going to New York City uh, to help his his sister Savannah. Um, it, 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 you know, a lot of his books are autobiographical. Um, he takes his, his Southern charm and growing up in the South and the fact that, you know, a Southern boy goes to New York City, I found was was quite incredible. And it was a beautiful love story and and all about, you know, family that's dysfunctional, but they they find their way. Um, so I love Pat Conroy. I've always loved him. But I think the love of this book is because my father recommended to me. Yes. Recommended to me. Yeah. I just yield to your list already because Pat Conroy was, in full disclosure, on my list. I've yes. met him multiple times in South Carolina. I've been going to South Carolina uh, with my good friend, Ali North, who started dragging me down there in the early 90s and met Conroy on the beach. I've Every one of his books, I think his literary skill is is uh, in the top 10 in, in, in the country. And, uh, you know, the whole great Santini. My father was an old Marine, God rest his soul, from uh, Korea. And I think really the connection of a son and a father yeah. relationship is really unique. So not only was a Southern charm in the great writing, but even that uh, father-son connection. In uh, Conrack, which is a lesser known Conroy book, uh, which is what his students, very poor minority students he had to teach and try and connect with called him. And the story is so touching and endearing, and he's just got so many dimensions, and he's such a great expressive writer 
that uh, I just yield extra points in this top five list to you already because <laughs> I love that myself. <laughs> I have Bravo, to everything that Conroy wrote. Was he as wonderful as he seemed uh, in his interviews and, and as a writer? I, I just have to ask you. Absolutely. It's gentle, classy, Southern charm, thoughtful uh, guy. And, you know, for being such a famous writer that's, you know, Barbara Streisand's been in his movies, the great Santini's, <laughs> he exercised that unique Southern gentleman skill of simply just listening. Like all of a sudden, when I first met him and we're talking and I was, uh, we'd been an English major at Ole Miss and you know, that's uh, anytime I'm talking to a writer, I go right into that stuff. And I realized about three minutes into talking to him that I'm still talking, that he's just listening. He's actually attentively listening. And so, yeah, what an amazing, amazing uh, choice. Good choice. Thank you. The countdown continues after this. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. Number three. Number three. <laughs> Go for it, Cliff. My number three. Uh, I mentioned uh, John Gresham and the Southern Riders, and my favorite Southern writer even above Pat Conroy after giving him kudos, uh, is Willie Morris. And it'll always be Willie Morris. Now, Willie Morris is not as well known, perhaps, unless you know your Southern writers, but he was a writer in residence at Ole Miss, and I took two of his classes, and uh, he did a movie that some people remember from, I don't know, maybe about 10 years or so ago, maybe more, uh, My Dog Skip. A tearjerker. Yep. It's a little Jack Russell, in it. and in full disclosure, I have a Jack Russell. But Willie Morris um, uh, was known, sort of in the literary world, as the youngest editor in chief of Harper's Magazine. He came from Texas, been at the Texas Observer, and then was a writer in residence in Oxford. And uh, one of the quotes he used to always teach us that Doug back to find was when he said, "If there's anything that makes Southerners distinctive." From the main body of Americans, it is a certain burden of memory and a burden of history. I think sensitive Southerners have in their bones this profound awareness of the past. In many of his books, My Dog Skip is a, you know, who doesn't love a coming of age story uh, in a boy and his dog? Uh, so it pulls the heartstrings, but he wrote several other powerful things and he mastered this sort of genre of sensitive coming of age stories uh his book that he wrote that really drives that home and it's kind of got a little bit of the same uh great santini type uh sensibility is called north toward home so that's uh willie morris but my dog skip if you can read my dog skip and tell me with a straight face you didn't cry then i will buy you dinner and a margarita but i'll know you're lying to me <laughs> so that's my three what's your three that's a good one okay uh, number three goes back to my childhood and of course you know reading to my kids the complete tales of winnie the pooh 1926 winnie the pooh and his friends they have been wonderful company to kids of all ages of course the creation of a.a milne and he wrote these beautiful books for his son christopher robin uh, illustrated by Ernest H. Shepard. They, of course, t- 
timeless stories with the most wonderful quotes, by the way. Winnie the Pooh, not only are the stories wonderful uh, about him and Eeyore and his friends, um, but the quotes I still use to this day. Here's a couple of them and see if you remember. You're braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, smarter than you think. That's one of the Winnie the Pooh quotes that I use to this day that is that brings so much inspiration. And then sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. And I I love that one too because it's so true. You're you're a dad, you know what it's like when you see your kids do, you know, these little things that you remember, yeah. know that they are, you know, so impactful even though it's not you know, you're not saving the world or anything, but you know, your child does something unique and special and you remember that for the rest of your life. Another quote, I wasn't going to eat it, I was just going to taste it. Yes, I love it too. Uh, another fantastic choice. Uh, I literally, I think I like your list better than my list already. I grew up uh, surrounded with Winnie Pooh. My older brother, I have an older brother, his nickname, childhood nickname for my parents was Tigger. And yeah. Pooh was always a big thing. And uh, when I uh, was sort of going through life, finding my way, my mother uh, reminded me, sent me a card with a Winnie the Pooh quote, which I'll never forget. And it's, I think, Piglet asked Pooh, where are you going? And he says, well, I'm always simply going exactly where I'm supposed to go. And it's always stuck with me. Uh, yep. And, and uh, I can't remember what that's from, but. Winnie the Pooh, love it. Yes. All right. Number two. Number two, go. All right. We're narrowing it down. Number two. Now, many of you, to include you, Janice, know I am a surfer. Yes. Deep at heart. I'll always be a surfer. The whole world revolves around surfing. And a few years ago, a guy named William Finnegan, who is a New Yorker columnist, wrote a book called Barbarian Days, A Surfing Life. It's my number two. And your husband, Sean, He's read all the it. Surfs, I bought it if he him. doesn't have this book. I bought yes. it for him. It is yes. amazing. At first, I didn't read it. Uh, my wife bought it for me. But, you know, surfing is much more than a sport. It's an obsession for surfers. It's an addiction and it's certainly a way of life. And I can't tell you how many over the 21 years of our marriage, how many conversations that I've been somewhere and I've been, Kathleen's been with me in Costa Rica, California, wherever surfing. And I'm talking about the direction of the swell, the texture of the face and the side of the break. And she's just like, oh my gosh, really? Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what, Bill Finnegan in Barbarian Days talks about growing up in California and Hawaii and going and surfing every wave uh, on the planet. And he talks about, you know, uh, every wave is, is just a complex tune. And he talks about, he can describe them from Australia to Fiji to Hawaii to California. And uh, in it, he says, you know, is this swell uh, a 13-8 complex structure coming with seven set swells every 20 minutes? Or he writes, is it simply God's jazz solos whose structures is beyond our understanding? Wow. And it's the camaraderie in the water, the connection to the ocean. And at the very end, after going where he goes on these road trips and he has this relationship with all these waves and can describe them in ways that only Sean and I can understand and dream about going to. It's like he's writing about his friends, these old friends of his, 
who also at the same time wanted to kill him over reefs in huge waves and drown them. And uh, it is beyond the most amazing surf book. But people who don't surf have read it going, wow, I didn't see that there's that much in it. In, in perfect surfer literature, if it were such a thing, uh, he ends the book, not to give anything away, in a certain spot, and he's writing about the book, and it's the pinnacle of writing about this wave and his challenge writing it, and he writes it perfectly, and he ends it just saying, I just wanted to keep doing it and for it yeah. to never stop. I tell people, well, my life's motto has always been, life is like surfing. Some days there's good waves, some days there's bad waves, some days there's no waves. But every now and then, there are perfect waves, so you gotta be ready to ride it all the way. So yep. that's my two. That you, What's you, your know, two? you and my husband are uh, the love of the surf, man. You guys, that's what you do. That's your life would be on a surfboard if you could do it for the rest of your life, right? You bet. <laughs> Finding that perfect wave. Okay, my number two is Here Is New York by E.B. White. It was written in 1948. Ah, awesome. it, it, it was uh, basically an essay written by him in the sweltering summer heat of New York City. Uh, an essay, and it, it's a love letter to New York City. I picked this one. E.B. White, of course, people know who he is. Charlotte's Web, Stuart Little, The Elements of Style, of course, he wrote that. Um, but he was a New Yorker essayist. And this is basically a stroll through the streets of Manhattan. My husband, Sean, gave it to me the first Christmas that we had met. And I'm a girl from Canada. I had moved from Canada to New York City uh, to pursue my lifelong dreams uh, career-wise. And in doing so, met my wonderful husband and had my family. So it's important for me to pick this book because it was the first gift that he ever gave to me. But also because this book, and I just recently reread it, it is so relevant to what we are going on through right now. I mean, it is a love story to New York City, but it also talks about the different places, the different pockets of population in New York, and how New York is tough regardless of any situation it's presented. And I know that we are going through a very challenging time right now in New York City, where things are not looking so good. Uh, but this book is, is something that will um, give you hope um, that no matter what Manhattan, no matter what that island goes through, it is resilient. So um, I love it. It's, it's only 7,000 words, but it's a beautiful book and a really uh, relevant one for the time that we're going through. Number. 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 Number one. Five. Now it is time to Number bring one. it home. Are you ready? Woohoo! I'm ready. Drum roll. My drum roll is, and as an English major, I've had that oh, whole no. build up set up for I it. bet you it's the, I the bet greatest you it's the American novel. Oh, what? The Great Gatsby. Holy yes, that's you too? Yes. Oh, well, you tell me why. Great you fine. tell me why it's your favorite. Okay, first of all, there's a reason why Janice and I have great minds and thought alike. So if you're listening to this and you only saw the movie with Leo DiCaprio, you need to just forget that memory forget and go it. It buy ever this happens. book. Yeah. This is, this is, there's a reason why they call this 
the great American novel. And when it comes to fiction writing, it doesn't get ever any better. better. The symmetry of writing along with the symbolism is just perfect, right? And it's this, for those that haven't read it, you've got these marginal life characters, Jay Gatsby chasing the American dream. He's got this yep. mansion in West Egg and across the bay, he can look at Daisy Buchanan's dock in a green light blinking. The green was, light. You know, a symbol of his great ambition and it ultimately ends. And of course it's this, you know, pursued in the roaring 20s, 1925. And so it was yep. post-war, roaring 20s. But the the last line, so we beat on boats against the current, born back ceaselessly into the past. It's perhaps the greatest line ever written because you realize at the end, you're like, this is, everybody's Jay Gatsby. Everybody has this, you know, optimism, this American dream. Why do you love it? I love it. Our number one is the same. <laughs> I love, and I knew when you were going there that you were going to say The Great Gatsby. I just, I love this book. It's it's sad because uh, Fitzgerald died before this became a real big seller for him. And he thought that this was going to be his greatest book. But the problem was no one bought it at the time. And so he wasn't there to really reap the rewards from writing this epic, perfect book. Uh, I read it in school, obviously, and I loved reading in school. I loved English class, but I have the book that I, I kept it, Griff. I kept my book that I read, The Great Gatsby, <laughs> in school in, you know, what was it, 11th or 12th grade. And I have the highlighted areas that I loved not just because we had to write about why we, you know, enjoyed the book and the, and the themes and that kind of thing, but because I loved it so much even back then in school that I highlighted all my favorite moments and the themes that go through it, the green light, the self-made man, the in, invented, you know, millionaire, um, that money, greed, ambition, and, and the new beginnings that that presented so I loved it then. I've read it many times since. I think it's also a relevant book to read now uh, because, you know, it dealt with, you know, lavish parties and the jazz age and everybody was happy. And then the Great Depression happened. And and I think, again, it's a book about resilience. It's a book about you can't judge a book by its cover. And I love it so much that my, my husband, Sean, bought me this beautiful edition of The Great Gatsby. And I, I won't even read it because it's so perfect. I love it so much that he bought me a, 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 a necklace with the book on it. Uh, and he also bought me a t-shirt that has every wow. work of The Great Gatsby on it. That's how much I love this book. Um, it it Again, what you said about the movie, I mean, it's it's lovely that they made these movies, but every word is so beautiful. It makes me realize that um, Fitzgerald was such a talent. Uh, you know, anyone can really write a book, but to write something um, that is just is is art, it's really art. And every word is perfect. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you've got a great point. And you're Sean Stacy Buchanan. See, he got his girl. <laughs> He's giving you so many great uh, Gatsby uh, uh, gifts. But, you know, your point to wrap this thing uh, up, but, you know, it's so relevant. I mean, this is 100 years ago. And this notion of old money, new money, 
pursuit of an American dream. These are constants that exist. And what I think draws us in to this larger than life character of Jay Gatsby is his ability that he really just, we learn through, because of course, Nick Carraway is narrating, right? So we're not inside the mind of Jay Gatsby. We're learning about him, but you're learning, he's revealing that he's basically just willing himself to succeed so much and to ultimately will himself that he can somehow, if he just wants it bad enough, get Daisy Buchanan in return to this idealized past when he happened chance to have run into her despite all the odds. And it's that in irrepressible, indefatigable uh, pursuit, flawed in so many ways. And then you look at today and you're like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what we see people doing today. But look at what we've learned in a hundred years. If you reapply Gatsby's drive mm -hmm. uh, uh, in other ways, I don't know. There's certainly, if I was teaching an English class, this would be the semester's work because it would be able to relate to this younger generation. I don't know, you know, if it would connect with them or not. Uh, and I've got an 18 year old and a 14 year old that I think the 18 year old's read, I don't know about the 14 year old yet, but you know, it's a relevant thing. And I think everybody listening should buy all 10 of the books we've laid out there today. That's what I think. What do you think? <laughs> I, I love it. I love it too. And uh, you know, just for me too, The Great Gatsby is an important book because again, a girl growing up in Canada and having the American dream happen and I live on Long Island, you know, the basis of where the Great Gatsby took place, you know, the West Egg, uh, the, the, the North Shore, the South Shore of Long Island. So I feel like I'm almost living this, this dream that, that was created in one of my most favorite books and, and what an American um, treasure this book is. You saw the green light all the way from Canada, and you came. I can't top that. That is fantastic. Janice Dean with an amazing top five. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at foxnewspodcast.com. That's all one word, foxnewspodcast.com. Let us know your top five. You've been listening to Fox Top 5 on the Fox News Podcast Network. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.